0: we've got a ton of history here so let's talk and um to doug's credit you know he did his homework and realized that you know what there are certain mountains that you know what they don't might not have the most vertical out there but uh, the history is well worth you know skiing and keeping alive um last year we had over 300 Indie pass visits um absolutely outstanding they came out and wrote a nice little article about us and uh uh, without question I, I think that it's it's changing the way that folks look at the the industry
1: Hello, fellow Powderhounds, and welcome to the Powderhounds Podcast, a podcast about just having fun skiing and riding. I'm your host, Jeff Shawman. It is Tuesday, October 20th, 2020, and we're recording live from Meadow Lane Studios. For those new to the podcast, you will hear stories from the slopes, opre laughs, and fun ski trivia games. This episode will feature an interview with Jim Shockley, branding and equipment director at Mohawk Mountain. Mohawk Mountain was where my passion for skiing was born and hope the conversation will, in Jim's words, set the stoke for the season. The episode will also include familiar segments, an outdoor state of mind, ski news of the week-ish, and more ski trivia questions. The intro vibe was brought to you by Real Estate. If you caught it, sit back, kick your feet up, relax, and enjoy the experience of everything skiing and riding, Powderhounds. First segment is an outdoor state of mind. Topic Hidden Trails in West Hartford, Connecticut. I continue to keep my sanity by getting outside and exploring the woods, trails, shores, and parks, even streets, as much as possible. Despite living in the town with more than 60,000 or so friends, neighbors, enemies, and distant cousins, <laughs> it's a local reference, I've actually stumbled upon a number of less traveled wooded areas, usually free of strangers. Sadly, there are not many open spaces left in town, save for the reservoirs, Westmore Farm, a couple community gardens, and a dozen or so public parks. That said, on a recent bike ride, I discovered the South Branch Park River Watershed, part of the Bugbee Reservoir for flood prevention. Talk about a diamond in the rough! For those familiar with the area, these woods are adjacent to Westmore Farm and runs parallel to a portion of Mountain Road. There are plenty of well-worn and not-so-well-worn paths more than a few ending up in backyards. On the return trip from this exploration, I dipped into a nearby, different set of woods and found a makeshift bike park with jumps, berms, and steep, bumpy, and narrow descents on a dirt surface. You just never know what you may stumble upon. Too bad I didn't have my BMX bike with me. Of course, unless you live in town, this information is completely useless and utterly irrelevant. What is not irrelevant nor surprising is a recent report from the State Department of Energy and Environmental Protection about trail and park usage this year. One example, Rocky Neck State Park in East Lyme, a popular beach picnic area with a diverse trail system network, reported double the number of vehicles entering the park between March and April as compared to the same period last year. Car counters tallied more than 7,000 cars in 2019 and over 15,000 in 2020. More broadly, the state had to close parks due to overcrowding 519 times from April 1st to September 1st, as opposed to 161 park closures during the same period last year. Further, trail census counted 250,000 trail uses in March of 2020 compared to just over 100,000 uses for March 2019. So yeah, there's been a noticeable jump in demand for outdoor recreation and access to open spaces is critically important to spreading people out. Why is any of this important? Well, this increase in demand for outdoor recreation may very well carry over into the winter season at ski areas. Now, normal times ski areas would love an increase in customer demand, more people, more revenue. This year, it will be interesting to see how the intersection of increased demand indoor capacity limits, and customers wanting to avoid other customers plays out. Our next segment is Ski News of the Week-ish. Topics? Transportation and season pass sales. Now there is surely no shortage of ski news leading up to the start of any winter season. But wow! A lot has happened in the last few weeks. Let's start with Amtrak. Yeah, you heard me right. Passenger train service. Now, the bad news, Amtrak has suspended service to Winter Park, Colorado this season due to the pandemic. From the joint statement issued by Amtrak and Winter Park Resort, quote, We evaluated seating options on the Winter Park Express and agreed that, with social distancing requirements, it was not possible to operate the train successfully this season. Now, the good news, it's only temporary, as both companies plan to resume Winter Park Express service in 2022. Now, I have not yet needed to take the ski train, but man, that's such a smart way to get to the mountain. I'm happy to hear that it will be saved. I mean, other than in Europe, what other ski areas have train stations? Next up, Ski Vermont 4-Pass Sales. If you ski in Vermont, chances are you've heard of the 4-Pass, formerly the Ski Vermont 3 and 5-Packs. It works exactly like the Indy Pass. It's a frequency pass with partner resorts. The usual October 1st sale date came and went. Though the website announced that they will be selling a four-pass for this season with one major change. It will only be valid on weekdays. No weekends, no blackout dates. Now, this is understandable. The participating resorts want to control capacity on peak days, and this is an obvious opportunity to do so. Stay tuned for sale date announcements. More pass news. Vail Resorts revealed on an earnings call in September that it had sold 850,000 epic passes through September 18th, with the Northeast region noted as an area of strength. IndyPass shared similarly impressive preseason pass sales. Yes, IndyPass announced year-over-year September sales surpass, wait for it, 630%. It also announced that Jpeak Vermont has joined the partnership. Now, that's a serious mountain, one that has claimed a few of my more memorable tumbles. While well, I'd like to think Jay Peak joined Indie Pass because they believed in and want to be part of the authentic ski experience movement, practically, they needed a new customer base to replace the Canadian customers unable to visit due to the border remaining closed. Jay Peak actually refunded all Canadian season pass holders, which has to be an enormous hole in their budget, but the right thing to do. Do what you can, get up to Jay Peak, and support them this season. As for Altera, not much news about the Icon Pass sales other than weekly Tuesday trivia on Twitter. (laughs) Now, CEO Rusty Gregory, a few weeks back, did announce leadership changes and new company divisions, hospitality, and real estate divisions. Find out more at alteramountainco.com. Moving on to our featured segment, Winter is Coming. The topic, Mohawk Mountain, Connecticut. This feature topic is a special one, as Mohawk Mountain was where my passion for skiing was born. This episode will feature an interview with Jim Shockley, branding and equipment director at Mohawk Mountain. Jim is in his third season at Mohawk, having run ski shops in Boston, a stop in California, and operating lifts at Catamount in earlier days. Opened in 1947, Mohawk Mountain is owned and operated by the Shunk Connect and Hedden Families. If you are looking for that authentic skiing or riding experience, Mohawk should be on your list of places to visit this winter. While antique ski gear is proudly displayed throughout the lodge, showing off deep roots in the ski industry, the staff strives to provide individualized attention to customers, whether through lessons, rentals, racing, or simply catching the chair. This season will be like no other, and Mohawk encourages guests to embrace that throwback experience, like the skiers and riders before us. Scoot up at the car, pack your lunch, and appreciate nature that surrounds you. And of course, feel the rush of holding a shaky edge on that next steep turn. If you live in Connecticut and your children are interested in racing, Mohawk's seasonal race program has levels for multiple age groups and abilities. The race development program is aimed for skiers aged 7 to 13. The Interclub Team is a competitive alpine race program for children aged 8 to 13. And the Alpine Race Team is an invitation only. Elite Alpine Ski Race Program for children aged 8 and up based on their AAA rating. What is a AAA rating, you may ask? Well, it's an assessment of ability, attitude, and attendance. As for the price of admission, early bird discounts on season passes end on October 31st in just a few days. You have two options the Save Big Pass, a $200 discount on a season pass, though it is non refundable, or a rollover pass, also a $200 discount, that will automatically roll over to next season if you don't use the pass by January 1st. And for school-age children, there is also the Physical Education, or PE, pass, aggressively priced at $299 that includes seasonal equipment rental, a lesson, and six days on the slopes. Interested in working on a mountain? Keep an eye out for Mohawk's annual job fair, held in mid-November. Thank you again to Jim for taking the time to speak to me, and thanks to the Mohawk Mountain leadership team. Carol Luger, President, Cassie Shunkonnect, Director of Operations, Andy Raybold, Director of Snow Sports, Tom Mitchell, Group Sales Manager, and all the others working tirelessly to, as Jim said, set the stoke for the season. Enjoy! Our guest today is Jim Shockley, Branding and Equipment Director, Mohawk Mountain. Jim is in his third season at Mohawk Mountain. Jim, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, Jeff. I'm uh, Happy to be here.
1: Now, before we uh, dig into Mohawk, I want to you to tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your background in the outdoor industry, as well as in the recreational uh, outdoors. So um, quickly, uh, where are you from and uh, how long have you been in the outdoor industry?
0: I'm from uh, Dutchess County, New York. Um, I started out in the ski industry when I was, geez, I guess 16 years old as a lifty up at a uh, Catamount in uh, Hillsdale in South Egremont. Um, loved it. And, uh, from that point kind of got the bug of working in the industry and just kind of, uh, tried to figure out a way to stay in there and, and, uh, put food on the table. Um, I, I ran a couple shops in Boston for a little while. One great right called downtown called Bob Smith's. Uh, it was a great little shop. Not a lot of people knew about it. It was a sister shop of a, a bigger place on Com Ave called uh, Wilderness
1: House. Okay, okay, I haven't been there, but uh, that's uh, we, we share that in common. I didn't run a shop, but uh, did work in a did work in a ski shop. So that's great. Uh, now, um, how long have you been skiing? I understand you are an avid, passionate skier.
0: Yeah, I've been. Uh, This will be mine. Jesus, I'm 43. So 36 years, give or take. Yeah, my my parents had the bug, and uh, we didn't play hockey, so it was you're going to get yourself outside and ski in the wintertime. Yep. It's it's right of passage in my household.
1: I'm right there with you. No hockey, all skiing. Now, uh, not not to put you on the spot, but uh, are you a gear aficionado, or do you just uh, strap on what is lying around and get after it?
0: Oh no, I'm I'm a complete gear nerd in every sense of the word. You know, I, I don't need a new pair of sticks every year, but uh, you know, going to the shows kind of piques your interest of, of what new technology is out there. And and, you know, so many of the manufacturers these days are making such incredible, incredible both skis and snowboards that uh, it's kinda of hard to stay off them, especially when you spend half your life demoing different skis.
1: Right, right. I could only imagine the temptation to want to change, but certainly that's that's awesome that you can that you can pay attention to the technology and uh you know sort of the latest and greatest now um are you a destination mountain traveler or do you like to stick around home areas the region and you mentioned starting out at catamount any favorite destinations
0: probably uh most recently very local uh northeast primarily um i went i lived out in california for a while so i was fortunate enough to call china Peak uh, my home mountain out there, which is another Indy Pass mountain, thank God, it's a, a great destination, but uh, I've got two young boys and, and a wife, so we kind of just keep it local.
1: Sure, sure, I can understand that, and uh, we're definitely going to dive into the Indy Pass a little later, but yes, you mentioned two, and of course, Mountain uh, Mohawk Mountain is one as well. Um, last kind of quick question on the, the skiing experience, groomers, bumps, glades, or steeps? <laughs>
0: oh jesus i'm so at this point i'm gonna have to say groomers you know if you'd asked me this 10 years ago it would definitely have been bumps and steeps but um <laughs> i had a little bit of a yard sale up in new hampshire where, uh i had to go in for a couple surgeries on my back so we kind of keep it a little bit mellow at this point still still like my big sweeping gs turns but at that point eh, a little bit mellower
1: yes yes understand i'm probably right there with you so uh I'm, I'm, i'll take a groomer any day. Uh, <laughs> No, this is great. I'm glad uh, you share a little bit about your background and passion for the sport. A few, uh, a few uh, iconic uh, stops in Catamount and China Peak. Now I want to uh, switch over and talk a little about the main topic today: Mohawk Mountain. And just a quick background for the listeners, if you're not familiar with it, is located in Northwest Connecticut, Cornwall, Connecticut, to be specific. It's an easy drive from New York City off Route Four, and of course, across from. Uh, heading west from hartford connecticut mountain statistics it opened in 1947 i believe it's the oldest ski area in connecticut still in operation and we have a summit elevation of 1600 feet vertical f- 650 feet 26 trails eight lifts 112 skiable acres night skiing on over half the mountain snow making on almost all the mountain and uh, jeremy uh jim did i get that right <laughs>
0: You <laughs> spot on, Jeff. Great job.
1: <laughs> okay, now I just wanted to start uh, beyond the statistics with uh, Mohawk Mountains roots. Now I understand Mohawk is a family-owned ski area, and in fact, the same family op- opened it in nineteen forty-seven, still owns it. Of course, it's generations. Uh, the next generation um, that feel that family is the Shunkinex, who also owned and operated Mount Snow in Vermont, I believe. And uh, I believe that in total, total, it's about seventy years of ownership in the, uh, in the ski business. So, um, you know, Jim is just wondering if you could talk a little bit about the family and sort of the impact of uh, the, of them on the ski area, their vision as well as their efforts.
0: Uh, the Shun Connects are very much still involved. Uh, Walt Shun Connect um, actually, uh, Walt's claim to fame, other than being in the in the Hall of Fame at this point, is uh, he was one of the, the pioneers of snowmaking. Um, snowmaking was actually invented here at Mohawk Mountain. Um, so we take a great amount of pride in the quality of the snow that we produce and our grooming, um, and just make it a really good environment for, uh, for kids, families to to learn and grow into. Um, Walt's daughter, Carol, is still our president here at the mountain, and Walt's um, grandniece, I believe the grandniece, uh, Cassie, Sean Connect, is actually, our director of operations at this point. Um, At this point, we're owned by two separate families, both the Shun Connects as well as the Hedden family, Um, and they work in conjunction just to kind of give the best experience possible uh, to our our skiers.
1: Great, great. Yes, and I actually know Cassie from a different... uh, In a different... Part of the uni- ski universe, and uh, we'll get that get to that a little later. But I also saw, I, th- I believe, on the website, the uh, MMS Outfitter stands for Margaret Moss uh, connect uh, also known as Peg, who I believe was Walt's uh, wife uh, and partner uh, in the early days of the mountain. So uh, it looks like uh, the legacy is still living on in, in the building and in the name of some of the uh, some of the uh, 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 you know infrastructure of the mountain.
0: Without question, I mean, you walk through uh, our lodge on any given Saturday or Sunday, and you see countless people looking at the various antiques and, uh, you know, throwbacks to when skiing was still on wooden planks, solely wooden planks, and and just uh, kind of embracing the feel. Um, we are exactly as a ski area should feel, and one that's been around since 1947. Uh, we are enveloped in history, and and honestly, the, the the family's passion for what they do is is what keeps us going.
1: Yep. Yep, you can see it everywhere. Uh, now, uh, that passion was tested a little bit, I believe, in 1989. And uh, not to go too back deep into history, this is the, kind of the last historical piece, but uh, it was a major event at the ski area and certainly in the region. And that was the tornado that came through and, and really did some quite a bit of damage uh, at the ski area uh, between equipment being damaged, buildings lost, uh, lift towers twisted. And um, I believe it was, uh, at the time, you know, 2 almost $3 million in damage. And, uh, I, I know you were, it was well before your time. So you probably don't have much to say about it, but, uh, just curious if that clear cutting was in any, could, was there a silver lining in some of the clear cutting of the, at least the trees that went down or, uh, was that more of absolute havoc on operations, uh, for the, uh, certainly the, the short term and the years later?
0: I think so. Uh, much like, you know, today's situation with the pandemic, uh, everything that happens presents a new opportunity for us um you know new trails were cut at that point Um, the way the base operations absolutely changed um in terms of of a customer experience coming through at that point so you know what i think the opportunity there was to improve the way that the mountain ran as a whole instead of just being kind of a a dated little you know family run place that's kind of cute it allowed us to make infrastructure changes and, and you know the skier experience truly improved after that point.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, and certainly uh, it's sort of a great segue to sort of where we are right now and the upcoming winter season and winter operations as we look at how the pandemic has changed that and certainly challenged some of the traditional or or um, you know regular uh, parts of the operation. So I uh, want to see if we could kind of kind of shift into the, to that and. I, I, Spend a little bit of time, you know, again, just reading up on it and and certainly see that Mohawk Mountain has adopted the National Ski Area Association, Ski Well, Be Well best practices uh, in terms of uh, some of the social distancing, mask wearing and um, kind of re- reconfiguring some of the uh, pinch points where uh, skiers and even staff kind of come together and trying to limit that as much as possible. Now, I did see on the news, I think uh, yesterday, the governor of New York mentioned um, – that uh, ski areas in New York are opening November sixth again, based on um, you know the very similar uh, operating uh, procedures. And the governor Lamont, in Connecticut, just yesterday was asked about uh, ski areas, and he did say they are part of phase three, which we are in now. And uh, as long as they are compliant, they can begin operations. So we are set up to be skiing at Mohawk, just from a uh, public health standpoint in Connecticut. And I guess I just wanted to you know start out by saying um, you know how are you? Uh, approaching the um you know the guidelines and certainly winter operations considering uh, the the pandemic limitations.
0: Well, we're planning on skiing somewhere between sixty and seventy percent lodge capacity. Um, as of right now, there are no on hill restrictions in terms of our capacity. So, you know, we're really pushing people to get ready in your cars. Don't bring food into the building. Kind of use it more as the tailgating experience. That you know, kind of go full circle back to the thirties, forties, where people were solely dependent on on changing outside and used to the cold and the elements and what have you um we've made infrastructure changes inside of our lodge to kind of accommodate uh, the restrictions put on uh we, we've taken down walls and spaced out tables and and kind of uh reformatted the way that we do go about our seasonal uh, rental pickups and fittings as well um you know we have no more than three families in the building at one particular time always rotating there's always fresh air coming through obviously everybody you know staff and otherwise will be in face masks uh, <laughs> as soon as the door is open um so, yeah, I think that we're prepared, you know, as of October 20th, we think that we're in a good spot. Um, we've put a lot of time and effort in this past summer into making sure that it is a good, safe, safer experience, you know, for our, our customers, and uh, we'll see how it goes.
1: Now let's uh, stay with that indoor, uh, you know, uh, that indoor track for a second, and then we'll shift back outside. Um, I know we spoke a little bit earlier about, um, you know, the rental um, program, and that uh, Mohawk sees, I believe, over, uh, well, over a thousand, uh, you know customers you know, annually and there certainly could be uh, there's just pent-up demand to get outside and do things again. So certainly could be an increase in that number. How are you preparing for that uh, at least maybe uh, at the beginning of the season when uh, folks uh, want to um, you know line up their gear uh, you know early and uh, hopefully be able to use it all season?
0: right now we're running strictly by reservation uh you know in years past to, to get as many skis out the door we would kind of it would be a drop-in basis and do you know uh, anywhere from 15 to 25 families every saturday and sunday and then probably equal that amount monday through friday whereas now everybody's got a call you know we, we've got contact tracing in place we've, we've got all these institutions and, and things to help us out along the road of making sure that everybody's safe um it's challenging without question because we're not seeing as many pairs of skis or snowboards fly out the door as we did and, you know, kind of ramped us up uh, pre-seas once we see the racks getting empty and we're slowly, you know, changing the lodge around to make sure that, you know, we can function on a daily basis as soon as our doors open, usually right around Black Friday. Um, so there's certainly challenges
1: that, that, that start there. Gotcha. And I know you said that uh, the, you want to get – rentals you want to get the equipment fitting right the first time so there's a lot of attention dedicated to the folks that are, are making reservations and booking their their equipment um now is is staff um is, you know is, is staff ready for that i guess uh that 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 jump in um you know attention for folks and, and really making sure that they have the, the best experience possible I, you know are staff ready and, and trained and eager uh eager to go and, and get people on the hill
0: uh, right now, we're, we're really working with the skeleton staff. I bring in about a half dozen kids um, who are fully trained on boot fitting and, and ski teching and so on and so forth. Um, right around the second, third week of November, we hold our job fair. where uh, We bring on, a, at least for the equipment department, another 70 or 80 kids. Um, everybody, it doesn't matter if you're a returner or a never ever or, or someone new to the industry, everyone will be going through orientation to, to kind of hash out safety protocols and what we do about certain situations. I I think that that we're in a good spot right now. You know, we, we've put together um, a pretty comprehensive training packet and, and uh, awareness is obviously at an all time high when it comes to dealing with, with such issues. So I think that, uh, I think we're in a good spot moving forward.
1: Now, with the 70 to 80 kids that are coming in, is that uh, that's beyond obviously rental? That's also uh, lessons. That's also um, some the lift ops uh, or so on mountain operations as well, in terms of the additional employees? The,
0: the 70 to 80 kids, that, that's solely for our, our rental operations.
1: Oh, it is? Higher, okay.
0: Yeah, we do about 100 to 125 ski instructors per year. As a whole, the mountain employs close to 500 uh, uh, local folks.
1: Okay, wow, that's uh, that's a number that I'm sure that might surprise folks, so that's uh, that's great to know. Um, and I understand there's also a number of other programs that uh, you certainly could <laughs> see 500 people being needed for, whether it's the uh, fourth grade program, the uh, PE pass that I definitely want you to talk about a little bit about, racing uh, programs, and obviously just the general recreational um, you know, opportunities. Uh, I think you're open every day of the week, even if the hours change a little bit um, on the weekends and, and weekdays. But can you talk a little bit about the other programs and uh, how are you deploying staff?
0: um I think recruitment will be a little bit challenging this year you know usually the the snow sports director and myself go out to local high schools in terms of recruitment and, and talk to kids and get them pumped up about the ski season you know somewhat set the stoke for the season if you will um but that's a little bit challenging you know we're relying on quite a few more uh, returners and college kids that we have in the past um, like I said recruitment It's going to be challenging. Um, Andy Bold is the name of our snow sports director, and and he does a tremendous, tremendous job of not only our race programs, but our developmental programs as well. Uh, We're second to none in the area when it comes to, you know, getting kids on skis, maintaining them, and then retention. You know, we have kids and families come back year over year, because of the quality of the product that we offer um again it's it's about teaching them to have fun on snow it's not just about the competition it's about getting out there with your friends enjoying it and you know what pulling yourself out from behind the gamecube or the cpu or whatever else uh, you know they're sitting inside doing you know you can have a great time with your buddy on a chairlift that's less than three feet away as opposed to slapping a headphone on your face and playing any myriad of games that's gonna you know keep you indoors
1: Yes, I can. T- uh, you know, I, I will say that uh, I'm sure my up, you know, just growing up would have been a whole lot different if uh, those those temptations and of distractions were out there. But uh, I actually shared uh, before with with uh, Jim my picture of my buddy Eric and I in ni- early '90s in front of the Wildwood Trail sign, and uh, could not uh, been any happier that day. So um, that's that's where the love of the sport, at least, uh, began with me. So um, I'm I'm right there with you. Now, um, talk to me a little bit about specifically the uh, PE pass uh, that I believe is a sort of a cumulative or, or uh, you know, a package between lift tickets, lessons, and rent, seasonal rentals, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Correct. Um, you know, Carol Luger, um, uh, Walt Connect's daughter, and, and Cassie she's Connect, as well as myself, and our, our group sales manager, Tom Mitchell, all kind of sat down and, and thought about a way to kind of, you know, expose people who are – you know a um on somewhat of a budget b have helped have felt you know their their physical education be curbed somewhat by by in-school restrictions you know a lot of these local schools um in order to maintain social distancing guidelines they had to change their gymnasiums into you know, pseudo classrooms um so a lot of those kids weren't receiving the physical education credits that quite honestly kids these days desperately need um our our answer to that is the pe pass um the pe pass is basically six days of skiing um plus a a full seasonal uh, equipment rental you know uh, none of our seasonal equipment is due back until may 1st um so you get six days on snow plus a full season of of season rentals plus a lesson all for $2.99 you know so it's it's an aggressively priced package to help kids get out here in the wintertime. You know, a, a good portion of the schools, at least in this area, are on a hybrid model or a complete, you know, remote uh, schooling. So it's, it's it's something that, you know what, the time is now available. The budget shouldn't be too big of a concern. I mean, this is, a, this is something that I would ask for for Christmas, you know, 25 years ago or thereabouts when I was, you know, around that age. Um, so it's, it's kind of, of the answer to to what the pandemic has presented us, uh, like we spoke about earlier, I think that with new challenges offers an opportunity to kind of reinvent what we, what we do. This is exactly an example of that. You know, we we want to be aggressive in our pricing. We want to turn people onto the sport. Um, it's a great sport. There's nothing to be afraid of. Get out there and do it. And that's that's the best thing that we can say. So this is in that vein.
1: Well, similarly in that vein, just shifting to adults for a second, um, what, what are you do you have expectations for uh, I know that Mohawk has an uphill policy in terms of just the you know rentals, gear, are and and capacity. Are you expecting more uphillers this uh, upcoming winter season?
0: We are, without question. We we've, we've been fielding phone calls about that exact topic basically since July. Um And our policy remains the same. Um, You can uphill here as long as, you know, the lifts are spinning. You're more than welcome to. Obviously, ski patrol's got to be on hill uh, first and foremost. But the big thing and and really the change is there'll be no snowshoeing. As long as you can physically slide back down the hill, you're allowed to uphill here. So we kind of don't want people just coming in snowshoeing because, you know, we're expecting, you know, uh, an uptick in, in uphillers, whereas... It, for safety purposes it makes the most
1: sense for us sure sure now you said that lifts need to be spinning obviously to, to have uphill so i um, just want to talk a little bit about that um, in terms of uh, lift tickets and season pass sales you know how have uh, they been uh, thus far it, I mean, it's probably a little early too in terms of some of the data but any indications of uh, of uh, demand out there or uh, are we kind of running around uh, about the same as uh, this time last year
0: you know what, our, our pacing is, is a little bit off of where it was last year, but it's picked up. I think that um, initially we were all kind of terrified. Most of mountains, including ours, rely on that for summer revenue and just kind of, you know, to keep everything moving as it should. Um, initially, it was a little bit slow, and uh, we picked up quite a bit in the last two, three weeks. Um, our programs have sold out, so that's I'm really, really happy to hear that. Um, and obviously the October 31st deadline you know like us like most other you know resorts um, there is an increase in charge once October 31st rolls around we get into November um, so we're, we're thinking a good portion of our clientele are, are hedging their bet a little bit you know we understand with the pandemic people are, are kind of uh, apprehensive to 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 put themselves out there financially so um to combat that we have we have two different versions of of our season's pass one is a a guaranteed pass you know if if for whatever reason we have to close the doors at some point in the future you'll be able to get a refund if not you know what there's a a less expensive price which is kind of you know what it's cheaper for a reason if you get a, a great deal on a pass and we have to close our doors mid february what have you you had an opportunity to get out there and at least make your money back if not uh do pretty well.
1: Yep. Now um in terms of additional uh customers and folks uh interested in 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 maybe the 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 never the never ever's um you uh, Mohawk has joined the Indie Pass, I believe renewed actually, and now on the second season um, of the Indie Pass. So again, you you sell obviously your own season pass. You have individual day tickets, and now you're also joining the Indie Pass. And again, for folks listening that need a refresher, uh, it is a, a pass in the in its second season. It provides two days of skiing at 57 partner resorts around the country, and I think 25% off additional days if you burned through those first two days basically three regions eastern midwest western and these are uh, basically uh independent or family owned uh, ski areas and it's a mix of destination as well as uh local mountains perfect for a day trip so um so i, I know that's probably gonna gonna have uh you're gonna have some new faces uh, probably uh as i understand there's been a uh, major increase in IndyPass pass sales from uh, this year compared to last year Uh, Not surprising, considering it's in its second year, more people know about it. But I'm curious, uh, maybe starting off, um, how was your experience last year?
0: Uh, Tremendous. We, you know, I reached out to Doug Fish, the uh, founder of Indy Pass last year, when I saw some of the other local mountains um, listed on their site and said, hey, you know we, we've got a ton of history here but let's talk and um to doug's credit you know he did his homework and realized that you know what there are certain mountains that you know what they don't, might not have the most vertical out there but uh, the history is well worth you know skiing and keeping alive um last year we had over 300 indie pass visits um absolutely outstanding they came out and wrote a nice little article about us and uh uh, without question, I, I think that it's, it's changing the way that folks look at the, the industry. You know, you look at the Icon, you look at the Epic, and not that it's cost prohibitive, but this is for, like, like myself, a family of, you know, four people, it's much easier to stomach $1,200 for three passes versus not that for one. Um, mm-hmm. So again, it presents us an opportunity to kind of show, shed light on what we do here and uh, who we are. We've got a lot of personality, and I think the indie um they jive with what we're trying to do here. Um, they get it. They've they have been instrumental in opening doors to uh, to even locals who have never bothered to come here. They you know they'll they'll go up north to the Vermont mountains because unless it's in Vermont, it's, it doesn't really count as skiing. You know, so we're kind of helping. Open the door to that, the Catamounts, the Berkies, the Mohawks, you know, uh, the Bel Airs of the world, you know, this Bel Air being state on. But these are all all within, you know, an hour and a half distance of each other. And uh, and the really, really good skiing out there.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I you know, I, I... Full disclosure for those listening, I, I think I shared this with Jim earlier. I definitely purchased an indie pass this year and uh, sort of helped us connect uh, anyway. But uh, definitely excited to um, you know, like you said, um, you know, sp- spend some special attention on the family-owned uh, and sort of uh, medium-sized ski areas that. Uh, um, like, like you said, sometimes are overlooked, but um, absolutely, as you described earlier, you know, had that, uh, that uh, real, um, you know, you could say classic or, or whatever experience, but it just boils down to, you know, skiing is, is, is really unique experience uh, and, and the hills uh, will provide it. Uh, you don't need a lot of uh, glitz and glamour to uh, have a um, have have an awesome day. now um, again I, I did note that uh, at least according to Doug and some of the coverage, past sales are over six hundred percent compared to last year and I believe he indicated the East was a uh, a strong part of that market. Are you and you said last year you had three hundred visits from indie Pass are you expecting um, do you have, do you have sort of an expectation of what that's going to look like this year?
0: Would like to see that doubled i mean between the exposure and the marketing campaigns that any passes put together i think awareness of who we are what we do is is phenomenal this year um the press we've received the experience from you know the google reviews to to our customers feedback to the way that that small and independents do business, it, it's slowly starting to come full circle. You know, you don't need to be into the corporate skiing or, or you know, not to, not to poo-poo what they're doing. But at the same time, you know, individualized attention and, and experience on a one-to-one basis is something that's becoming uh, more and more common in our industry. And it, it, it couldn't be uh, at a better
1: time. Well speaking a lot of uh, another sort of uh, partner in brand awareness and uh, focusing on uh, the asset that is Mohawk Mountain uh, in Connecticut is the Connecticut Outdoor Recreation Alliance or better known as Cora It's a relatively new uh, nonprofit that for those again who don't know that seeks to increase outdoor recreation opportunities and grow outdoor recreation by supporting the development of of Connecticut's outdoor recreation economy. So, um, and again, good example of that is, is buying a lift ticket, buying a season pass at Mohawk, uh, and then promoting that experience, you know, within your network, within your social network kind of thing. So that's what CORE is about, and uh, Mohawk, again, is, is, is a partner in that. And I'm just curious, you know, what do you find valuable, or I know Cassie's involved, um, so maybe the question's uh, for her too, but, um, you know, what do you find most value about, you know, that type of partnership with other outdoor, um, you know, industries and businesses? Maybe they're your competitors, but you certainly share that space.
0: You know, we don't think of them as competitors, but honestly, we're all partners in this. You know, I think too often gets overlooked when it comes to outdoor experience. You know, we we have tremendous uh, ski areas here. We've got trails. We've got running. And and it's absolutely phenomenal to me that that Cora hasn't come along before this because, like I said, the exposure that that it offers us and, and kind of allows our partners to to kind of keep us top of mind, you know what? In July, when a lot of the ski areas locally shutter and what have you, there's an immeasurable amount of things and options at, at people's disposal here. So that, that's really what we were looking for in entering into the partnership: is just a exposure and keeping us top of mind. You know, uh, even Connecticut residents who are from down, you know, Fairfield County down on the coast, a lot of them you talk to, maybe thirty percent, didn't know we exist. You know, so so things of this nature that go to help, kind of. Spread the gospel, if you will, is something that we're we're pretty excited about.
1: Well, I've already volunteered myself with Christine, our president, to uh, to to visit Mohawk and do a uh, do my own lo- sort of uh, report on the, on the hill and promote that within chorus So uh, hopefully, I'll, I'll I'll see you there, and uh, maybe Cassie, we can get a couple runs in uh, when that happens. Now, I, just. I look
0: forward- Thank you so much for the opportunity.
1: Of course. Appreciate it. Of course. Just want to close out uh, with uh, a couple quick lightning round questions, and this is really you, uh, again, Jim, as sort of an insider on the mountain and your colleagues. Um, just sort of what comes to mind, and uh, we'll probably have to leave it there. But um, are you ready for the lightning round, Jim? Right, go. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Favorite view from the mountain. Go
0: oh, top of route one
1: hundred. Okay. Didn't have to think. like it. All right. Um, Now, we kind of skipped over F&B, food and beverage, again, for for our listeners. But uh, are there any recommended uh, food or drink – well, food or drink recommendations on Mountain?
0: Uh, We make the best chili in the state of Connecticut, hands down. Nothing's even close. Uh, Honestly, it's one of the saddest days of the year is when we start closing up and I I stop smelling that chili.
1: (laughs) Well, I – uh, you know, listeners know that one of my favorite foods on mountain is a uh, chili and a bread bowl. So, uh, if, even if even if the bread bowl is not available, uh, that will be my go-to when I when I come visit, and it will be in in my report. So, uh, <laughs> food critic, I guess, as well.
0: We strive on or thrive on feedback here, Jeff. So I certainly expect a full report.
1: <laughs> no, I promise. Uh, okay, two more. I'll let you go. Uh, Mohawks' best kept secret. Now, this could be uh, on mound this could be a history this could be um, really anything uh, but yeah any anything pro- to-
0: it, it's our, our learning programs we offer a program called snowhawks that, that both of my sons are in at this point and um, it would have been a game changer for me if I was you know four or five years old at that point and learning how to do the things that they're doing now uh, the support staff the the instructors from the everyone's right on down the the way that they kind of um, Push it to the next generation and, and, and make it fun. You know, we understand that we're a feeder mountain. We certainly accept that, and we're, we're we we do not see it as a bad thing. We're introducing the sport to the next generation, and uh, we're getting pretty damn good at it.
1: Great. All right, last last question, of lightning round. Uh, if you want folks, listeners, to remember one thing about this interview, what would it be?
0: Uh, ease of use. You know what? We are within driving distance of the major metropolitan areas in the tri-state region. You know what? You don't need to go away for a full weekend. It's not a bad drive to come up here. You know what? We specialize in the day pass and the, and the single-day experience. You know what? You don't have to be a destination to, to make it feel like you're having a full weekend of skiing. I promise you, we'll send you home equally tired. <laughs>
1: No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, I think we're going to have to uh, probably leave it there unless uh, I'm going to call this uh, part of the segment last chair. Is there anything else uh, to share that uh, we haven't covered? I haven't asked, but you'd like to uh, throw out there?
0: Well, Jeff, you've done a great job. Obviously you've done your homework on us before getting on here. So uh, obviously skiing here certainly helps matters. So you've made my job pretty easy, Um, (laughs) but no, no, thank you. You know what? We, we really are are very happy for the exposure and, uh come on up and experience this for yourself. All
1: right. That's a plan. Uh, let's, let's book it. Uh, opening day, I believe you said, was around Thanksgiving? Expected? We're shooting for Black Friday. Oh, Black year, Friday. Black, yep.
0: You know, let the guys on Hill do a hell of a job getting us up and running, you know, pretty much right as it gets cold. So check back with us soon because uh, it could be earlier. All
1: right. Love it. Well, we will, we will definitely keep an eye on that. I will be posting about it on, uh, on my Twitter and uh, certainly referencing it in upcoming podcasts. And again, in your own words, uh, Jim Shockley, uh, set the stoke for the season. That's uh, our parting words from Mohawk Mountain. Again, follow Mohawk uh, at Mohawk Mountain. They're also on Facebook, Instagram, of course, their website. Thank you again, Jim, for joining me today. Great.
0: Thanks a lot, Jeff. We appreciate it.
1: Even though I've skied Mohawk Mountain for years, I learned a ton about the ski area from talking to Jim. I hope you did too. I also found it impossible not to feel excited for the upcoming winter season. The entire team at Mohawk Mountain is working tirelessly to allow skiing and riding to happen this winter. When you see staff, thank them. Oddly, the pandemic, coupled with this collection of independently and family-owned ski areas on the Indy Pass, just may be starting a revolution of skiers and riders seeking a more authentic, simpler, individualized, and closer-to-home experience. I hope you'll join me and many others supporting these ski areas this season and in the years ahead. Moving on to our super short last segment episode ski trivia question. Here we go. According to Ski Vermont, what Vermont ski areas are projecting to open first this season? I'll give you a hint. Both ski areas share identical trail names on two trails. The answer will be posted on Twitter at Powderhound Skis. Looks like it's four o'clock. Time to catch the last chair. Thank you to my guest, Jim Shockley, Mohawk Mountain. Thank you to my listeners. Follow me on Twitter, at Skis, Or better yet, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts Manager, Spotify, and Stitcher. Just type Powderhounds Podcast. Until next time, see you on the slopes, Powderhounds.